Happy July 4th, everyone. Woo. We are here with a special podcast for you today, an American-specific patriotic podcast. We'll be America. talking about all things U.S. men's national team, some other things sprinkled in there. But today, it's just we're celebrating soccer in America. Yep. But to start off, we are going to test our patriotism a little uh-huh. bit. We're going to do an American citizenship test in honor of 4th of July. We figured we'd brush up mm-hmm. on our legislative little congressional history. Do you want to start or? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, Do you want to be on paper, <laughs> on paper, Ethan should wipe my ass in this. On paper. He's taken. I did just take two years of AP US history. There you go. Getting my scores in two days. Yeah. You know, Wish Ethan luck. Wish Ethan luck. Um, Result we got. But on for. paper, he should wipe my ass. I have not taken a history class since junior year of high school. I am now a junior in college. That's four <laughs> years. So yeah, you're the odds are like minus four fifty in your favor <laughs> right now. But if you want, if you feel like taking the underdog, if you feel like taking me on the money line for plus three hundred, best of luck to you. All right, you I'll I'll, do I'll test you first because okay. you're probably the there. more knowledgeable. I'll switch tabs. So I'm not gonna go for something really hard, but we we just looked up U.S. Uh-huh. citizenship test. Uh, questions, and we're going to quiz each other. I believe on the actual citizenship test, you need, like, 6 out of 10. I think they ask you 10. I don't know. I feel like I remember being much more harsh. Like, you need, like, 9 out of 10 or something. That's what it says here. Okay, well, 6 out of 10. That's not too bad. Question number one. Who is the commander-in-chief of the military? The president. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. One for one. Okay. What is the supreme law of the land? What governs... The Constitution? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I thought he was talking about like a specific law. Yeah, no, that's what I like, thought at first. Pose mad or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's okay, the Supreme the Law of like threats. the First Amendment of the Constitution. Pose mad. <laughs> okay. I believe it was the great Abe Lincoln who once said. <laughs> okay. Even second question. Why did the colonists fight for the British? Is that actually a question? <laughs> Wait, why colonists fight for the British? Why did colonists fight for the British? That was because uh, they were okay, loyalists. No, 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 no. <laughs> there were thirteen original states. It says name three, but I think you can do all thirteen. You think I can do all thirteen? Name the thirteen original colonies. All right, here we go. New Jersey, nice. New York, mm-hmm. Connecticut, yep. Massachusetts, yep. Rhode Island, yep. New Hampshire, yes. Um, I don't think Georgia. I'm not going to say Georgia for now. If I run out of colonies, then I'll go with them. <laughs> but, uh, Virginia, obviously. Yep. Um, North Carolina. Yep. South Carolina. Yep. That's How many is that? It's nine. Um, Delaware. Yep. That was the first one, I think. That was the first one inaugurated. I believe. Did I say Pennsylvania? You did not. That's so that's 11. 11. Okay, so West Virginia or Georgia is one of them. I don't think both of them are. I'm going to go with not West Virginia. I'm going to say Georgia. That's one. Is there any one more? I think it's more of like a memory thing. Like, which ones didn't you say? Vermont? Vermont is not. Damn. I think you missed Maryland. Oh, shit. I did miss Maryland. Yeah. So you went south of Maryland. You... Georgia was, it, it's, I think it goes north to south on here. New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. Those are the 13 original colonies. Yeah, I feel like I remember <clears throat> how Vermont became a state. I feel like if I messed up on one, it shouldn't have been Vermont. But right. anyway, Hit 12 me. or 13, I'll take that. Hit me. All right. I'll try not to. I can yeah. see your screen, but I will, I will stay focused. Okay. I will. We must stay focused. <laughs> we must stay focused. All right, what are the two parts of the U.S. Congress? The House and the Senate? Yeah. Okay. All right. I was... I, 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 there was a small chance I was going to feel like a dumbass there. <laughs> did that completely wrong. Who was president during World War I? Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson. Oh, These are tough, man. I don't know if I was, if I was an immigrant, I would have got that. I mean, I think I would have guessed Woodrow Wilson. I'm not trying to give any spoilers, but, you know, one of my... Uh, I get into it in, in a later. later segment, okay. which obviously we'll talk about. Name two cabinet-level positions. Cabinet-level positions? 
Uh, Secretary of blank. Secretary of Defense? Yep. I know there's, like, Secretary of Education. I don't know what it's called. Because I know... It's called the Secretary of Education. It's Secretary of Education, okay. Um, there's also Secretary of, like, uh, Environmental Affairs? Like that? Oh, wow, there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot. Uh, Secretary of Agriculture, but that's not necessarily like environmental. Housing and Urban Development? Yeah. Yeah. Housing and Urban Development. A lot, lot of things you could go yeah. with. Oh, even the Vice President is in the Cabinet. I didn't realize. All right, yeah. last one, Ethan. You get an extra one because you are a student. <laughs> This says name one American Indian tribe in the United States. Also politically incorrect. American mm. Native American tribe. Mm. And there's like 15. So I hope you can name a couple. There's probably even, there's probably way more than that 15. That they put here. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cherokee, Navajo, Mohican, just to name the channel one. Channel one, the groups. <laughs> um, I believe Miami's actually a tribe. I don't know if it says that there. I really should know more of them. I feel like there's like 80 posters in my Iroquois, room. Uh, Apache. Apache. Sioux. Sioux, I should know. All of these I'm, I'll recognize, Inuit? I'm sure. Inuit yeah, was yeah. the northern one, right? I recognize Inuit. All right. That's, your, that's all of your U.S. history lesson for today. Actually, name one U.S. territory. U.S. territory? Uh, U.S. Virgin Islands? Nice. Can you name the other four? There's four more? Okay. Um... You you should get one of them, the main one that that's the U.S. territory. Puerto Rico. Oh, I I didn't know Puerto Rico. <laughs> you didn't know it was a U.S. territory. Oh no. Wow, okay. All right. So fucking, you're not getting American Samoa, Northern Marina Islands, or Guam. So. <laughs> All right. I I could have gotten Guam. <clears throat> we will transition into the segment that we have been restraining ourselves talking about for the last couple yes we didn't get last one we didn't get too much into it during the world cup preview we were saving we were saving it up we wanted to during this podcast delve into everything u.s men's national team and we thought the best way to go about that was to kind of step-by-step build the 11 that we could see taking the Mm. field in qatar in november both our idea of what the best 11 is but also what we think is the most likely Mm-hmm. 11 that you know yeah. Burholter will go with yeah um again barring injuries there's been a lot of yes. injury sagas with a, some of these players pulisic mckinney adams mm-hmm. has had a couple randos had a couple and obviously the main one that will affect <clears throat> us is the miles robinson injury which will most likely keep him out of yeah. the world cup um all right let's dive right into it starting off with the man in goal and really if you asked me a year ago, I would have said... No, this was not a debate a no, year ago. it was not. It was Stefan all the way. And then, all of a sudden, this kid, Matt Turner, from Park Ridge, New Jersey... Represent. Burton County. Now a gunner. Mm-hmm. Steps up, wins the Gold Cup, almost single-handedly, with... Uh, maybe not single-handedly, but certainly plays a huge part. Um, was it the Gold Cup, or was it the CONCACAF Nations League? What? The one... The, where they be, they beat Mexico in the uh, no that was Horvath that wasn't that Horvath. was I guarantee Nations League final I guarantee you Matt Turner oh, made yeah. his st- you know yeah, claim on the U S men's national team in this tournament I'm yeah sure I, I didn't watch the Gold Cup I watched the Nations League though um so now it's kind of a toss up and we were talking about it in the last podcast that. W- we have never seen this like three month stint before World Cup before, mm-hmm. and there are players that have an extra three months to prove themselves to the national teams. Yeah, to maybe get a spot in the team, maybe get a spot in the eleven. Matt Turner is certainly one of them. Yes, and you know it's an interesting dynamic that's going on with the two U.S. men's national team goalies because Matt Turner is going from a clear starting role at the New England Revolution where he did fantastic throughout, you know, their last season and going into what will likely be a backup role at Arsenal. He'll still get game time, but yeah. it won't be the main man. Even well, though Arsenal have Europa League now, which is... We do have Europa League yeah. and, you know, there's Europa League, there's League Cup, there's everything. I'm sure he'll get some game time, but obviously not as much because I think Ramsdale pretty much has its starting role locked down. Yeah. And Stefan, who was previously under Ederson as his understudy, is now likely going to get a loan move this summer to a place where he gets a starting role. Mm-hmm. So the roles have essentially flip-flopped for the two goalkeepers. Yeah. And it's interesting to think 
which one you think it's going to pay off for. Yeah, I think if Ramsdale ends up getting injured, I don't think there's much that... I mean, if Ramsdale goes on bad form, I don't think he's going to get pulled. I think he would need to get injured. Uh-huh. Um, But who knows? Matt Turner is very good. I don't think that his foot skills are there for the Premier League yet. I think that's something that Arsenal, though, is yes, no, that's to develop. Yeah, that's, I'm assuming, what they're going to start working with him um, on. But if Matt Turner comes in for Ramsdale, barring uh, because of an injury or something else, and then like plays well for Arsenal in the Premier League, mm-hmm. you can't throw Stefan out there unless he has, like, proves himself, like, crazily in those three months. Yeah, like, here's the thing with Stefan. Like... Obviously, he's been the backup to Ederson. You know, he's had limited opportunities. Yeah. But when he's had those opportunities, he hasn't been no, playing well not. either. He is not. Obviously, the one that sticks out is his mistake against Liverpool in yeah. the... Uh, Carabao Cup? No, the semifinal of the uh, FA Cup. Okay. But no, he hasn't been playing that well at Man City, even when he's been on the field. Yeah. So, I think... Who do you think has the upper hand right now? If, Wilk, if the uh, World Cup is going on right now, I obviously... I think Zach Stefan would start. Think would st- just because I, of experience yeah. he's older too i mm-hmm. think uh he might not be but he just he has more years the at the top yeah. level uh matt turner's been playing in the mls for two three years so mm-hmm. um and then before that he played in usl zach Stefan has been training with man city for two years now uh he has played the top level for a while i think if i'm the manager right now i would play zach Stefan, but that could absolutely change in three months yeah yeah it's definitely going to be something to look out for yeah. but in r11 who are we going with I would say Zach Stefan. Uh, I'd agree with you. Just, okay. it's very, very tight. I think and... right now, Matt Turner's a better shot stopper, but mm-hmm. I think when it comes down to it, you would want Zach Stefan there. Yeah, I agree. All right, moving up the field, the number two, left back. Really only one name in the pod for this one, Anthony Robinson. Yeah, I mean, there, there's not too much else yes, going on there. I mean, we would have to kind of jerry-rig the system if somehow he went down um i think the only name i can think of is george bellow who i'm not even sure what that is to be honest maybe reggie cannon i think he's more of a right back but obviously yeah. i mean if robinson so goes down end up playing left back that's for true. barcelona that's true if because i mean we're gonna be putting dest in yeah. our best starting 11 but yeah in the case that robinson went down dest would probably go left back and, and reggie cannon he, probably raise your can i mean right is andre yedlin still in this wing back mix i mean he's probably going on the plane did, I, did he not retire from like u.s soccer i feel like he did and then possibly we had came the same back thing and then, last week with did we with oh Z- yeah with Z- <laughs> Z- yeah okay look it up so, as, yes, of, he's, as of january 26 2022 he was on the u.s men's national team so assuming he is in the men's okay. national team i think he is on the plane just because of his experience at the top Yeah, they definitely think he's on the plane. You're not going to take, like, a 19-year-old from, like, Club Bruges or something uh-huh. just because he's, like, maybe better in training or something. You're going to take Gatlin for experience. I don't know if he's going to play because I like Reggie Cannon. And, obviously, if Anthony Robinson's healthy, it's going to be Robinson and Dest. Uh, but in, like, emergency circumstances, like, he's not the worst option. Yeah. Um, but anyway, back to our best starting yes. eleven because we're we are assuming that Robinson will be healthy. Assuming Robinson I really like healthy. him. Yes, yeah, and he's certainly for this U.S. men's national team. He's fine. He's athletic. This team feeds on athleticism. That's part of the reason why mm-hmm. they have kind of surprised in the World Cups in the past is because they are just very athletic. You got guys in there like Jermaine Jones, uh, Michael Bradley, yeah. like Beasley, uh, Demarcus Beasley, obviously DeAndre Yedlin. Like, all these guys who are super athletic, they, that's how they kind of surprise teams in the World Cup. And Anthony Robinson is in that athletic wingback category. Yeah, definitely. He's not, you know, he's not a world beater in any particular category, but he's very quick. Yeah. He's tall. He's, like, six foot. He's strong on the ball. Yeah. You know, he defends well. And, you know, he scores goals when he gets forward, too. Yeah. He's He makes a big impact for this team. And I think that there's absolutely no doubt that when he's healthy, he's the man at left back, both due to the lack of depth and yeah. due to his performances. And at right back, we talked about it a little bit, but it's going to be Serginio Dest, uh, all things remaining equal. He's arguably the best player on this team. If you want to make the case, Pulisic has had an off year. Dest has had a decent year. He's tailed off a little bit towards the end, but he's 
extremely talented. He scores some really nice goals. Yeah, in terms of the team. talent that he possesses, you could yes. argue he's right up there with anyone else yes. on the team. Yeah. Um, he's a no doubter at right back for me. I I don't know exactly where he feels most most comfortable. Honestly, I feel like his talent might be wasted at right back. Maybe he goes to right wing. I don't know how comfortable he is there. Again, it would just shake things up. I've never seen him play right wing, but you know, Ashraf Hakimi does it for the national team. Uh-huh. Uh, Alfonso Davies does it for the national team. It, who knows? But right now for our team, I think we should put him right back just as a solid uh, number three. Yeah, I mean, it's where he's most comfortable. I don't think, you know, I, definitely not right before World Cup or yeah. during the World Cup is the time to experiment with that yeah. sort of thing. But no, there's no doubt that on his day, he is just so, so talented. I mean, his foot skills are incredible. Yeah. Going forward, you can make people look silly. You can score great goals. But, you know, sometimes there is an inconsistency about him, both for the national team and definitely at club level. Because, you know, at Barca, there seems to just be a doubt about him. It seems like Xavi's not totally convinced that he's their guy. Obviously, Danny Alves came in for the back half of last season. He's departing. So... It also seems like just due to Barca's financial situation that Dest may be one of the ones, you know, that yeah, they're willing they to sacrifice. Yeah, they might want to cash in on him um, mm-hmm. just because they have some reinforcements there. But I think, obviously, you know, Barcelona is a fantastic club for a player to develop. But I think yeah. if the management is not sold on Dest as the future in that yeah. right-back position, and they don't really have too much else yeah. at this very moment, they may look to bring someone in. Mm-hmm. I think unless... Dest feels like the management is really convinced that he's their yeah. guy. I think possibly, you know, he may want to move somewhere else. It's important for the national team, uh, maybe not the club level, but certainly for national any national team that the best talent gets minutes for club. Yeah. That's why England has, you know, is consistently good and Germany's consistently good is because their best players are getting 90 minutes at the top level. Yeah. Every single one of them down the eleven. And if you look at England's best 11, almost every single one of them is starting for their club team. Yeah. If you look at USA's 11, Pulisic doesn't start, Reyna doesn't start, McKinney doesn't start, Dest doesn't start. I think so. McKinney starts. For Juventus? For Juve. Maybe. Uh, you know, he'll start half the games, maybe. But, you know, you're looking at five guys, maybe, and four of those guys playing the MLS and start for LAFC. Like, it's an issue that can only be solved by kind of proving yourself, but that's a culture that's slowly changing. Um, I think some U.S. men's national team fans are frustrated, especially with the Pulisic situation, like we'll get to, that he, they're not getting 90 minutes, but slowly but surely, I think that culture will change. Um, so, for right back, Dest. On to the center backs. A lot of names in the pot here. Some old, some new. You talked earlier about Miles Robinson. Yeah, that's... That's the big shakeup in this position because through qualifying, it seemed like it was pretty much him, Miles Robinson, and Walker Zimmerman as the pair. That was that was the precedent. You know, they had a decent partnership together. They seemed fairly reliable, about as reliable as you know you yeah. expect from you know a U.S. men's national team center back pairing. Mm-hmm. But with Miles Robinson, who I feel is probably the better of that pairing, going down. You have a big, big gap there for a center back to come in who has not featured Mm. with consistent minutes for this national team. I think Zimmerman, if he was, if there was any doubt before when Robinson was healthy, I don't think there's any doubt now that at least for Burholter, he will definitely be starting at this World Cup. Uh, Zimmerman? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Again, he's very physical, and Mm -hmm. that's what we love as uh as american as the the american style of play loves the, the physicality yeah and you know we had it in last world cups with um like Carlos bocanegra and um john brooks who's on this list too we kind of just need that stability for like crosses and set pieces also tim howard brought some of that stability uh defensively and if you keep the game the score low in the world cup Anything can happen. Yeah. If you are very lousy at the back and you let two goals in the first half, it's tough to come back. And the best World Cup upsets happen at one nothing. They don't really happen at four two three two. Yeah. So 
the real focus for the center back pairing is to just lock it down stable. There's not going to be a flux of possession for this team. You're not going to need a David Louise to pick diagonals to the wingers like you might need for a Brazil or a Germany or a France. You need to sit back, first ball out, find your wingers, find the pace, find the goal. And that's essentially what we should be focusing on. And with that being said, I really don't understand why John Brooks isn't higher on this list. I understand he's had bad he's had a bad a rough go of it for his club. He's had a rough go of it with injuries, but he's a tall guy, great with his head. He's I just he's physical. He's okay with his feet. And in this, if I may interject, in this team, I think if you have an opportunity to bring in someone with a World Cup experience, which yes. I mean, this team has an average age at, yeah. of like 23. No one else in this 11 played in that 2014 World no, Cup. Not even anyone in the question who's played yeah. in that World Cup. John Brooks is the only one on this list. And I think he's the prime example of, again, like we've talked about, this three month, this extra three month period. Mm-hmm. I think he's a prime example of a player who can use that just because he already. He already has a good reputation. He doesn't need that. He just much needs to, prove to get a bit of form yeah. back. That's all he needs. Yeah. He doesn't need to, you know, completely prove himself. He just needs to remind people. I have, to be honest, I have not watched a ton of U.S. men's national team games recently, kind of out of spite for them, like, ruining my life in 2018. <laughs> uh, I supported them during the Gold Cup. I support them when they get up there, and I love to see. Uh, you know, Americans do well in Europe, but I haven't watched the team. Also, I don't like Greg Berhalter, and we'll get to the manager at some point, but uh, I kind of just, like, watching the team play right now kind of, like, hurts my brain a little bit, so it just frustrates me to no end, so I really opt to not watch them when I can, but I haven't seen John Brooks in any lineups recently or any squads. I don't know if he's just completely out of favor with Berhalter, and while we're sitting here saying, oh, John Brooks could easily slot in as a second center back next to Walker Zimmerman. Greg Berhalter could be saying, uh, no, he's a locker room cancer and he'll, he, there's no way he's going to be on the plane. Yeah. So I, I honestly don't know, but if I don't think that he'll, I think there's a chance he'll be on the plane, but I can't see him starting for this team in reality right no. now. Uh, he wouldn't go from being like not played at all mm-hmm. over this like recent good spell of form for the United States to like, starting but on paper he does seem like a good fit for this team as he always has but he's just had a rough go about it with club and he's had some injuries um so for our center back pairing are we going to take miles robinson out of the equation we're taking miles robinson out of the equation because there's almost zero chance he starts in this world cup so i'm gonna go for zimmerman and tim ream tim ream well what what are your thoughts on that I don't mind that selection. Okay. Again, it's it's a more conservative selection. I'd say out of, you know, this little short list we've uh-huh. made right here, he definitely has the most experience of uh-huh. any center back. And I think it's completely possible that, you know, that's a position that's rotated, you know, Riemann one game, you know, Long yeah. in the next game, you know, and he goes from there. But, no, I like that pick. Again, especially defensively, you want just experience, stability. Yeah. That's what's important. Over the next three months, unless there's any drastic change in the form of, you know, anyone else on the short list that mm-hmm. maybe, you know, we can reconsider right before then. But I'd say right now, I think Tim Ream is yeah. a good lock right alongside Walker Zimmerman. I mean, it's almost like by subtraction because you're not going to play Carter Vickers. I don't know about Aaron Long. He, uh, he's played well for the U.S. Mm-hmm. Men's National Team in the past, and he's played really well for Red Bulls. From what I know, but like, I just feel like Tim. Reed he hasn't gone enough minutes for the national team yet to be starring in the World Cup. That's I mean, true. this is the World Cup. Yeah. I-, I wouldn't start Aaron Long unless you're playing a three in the back. But I don't know if they're gonna play a three in the back. So we'll go with Reem. especially with the especially with losing a center back. You yeah, know, that's not when you go to yeah, exactly add another one. So we'll go with Zimmerman and Reem, and we'll move up the field to the two C- center mids slash CDMs. I think usually we play with the two holding midfield. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, Again, in our best eleven, as we'll as we move forward, like it'll 
be more clear, but in our best 11, I'd say we have two holding mids. Yes. And right now, it seems like it's Adams McKinney. Yeah. That's pretty locked up. McKinney, 100% lock. I think, arguably, he's been better for this national team in the last 12 months than Pulisic or yeah. any other yeah. player. Yeah, Pulisic has team. been good, but not... McKinney's mm-hmm. been fantastic, um, especially for Juventus, too. He's put in some good performances. Yeah, his, his career has just completely just shot up to another yeah. level after that Juventus move. And I think it's something that I want to talk about in mm-hmm. this segment, even though, obviously... I think it's pretty locked in that these are the two. Yeah. So I want to talk a bit about Tyler Adams because I think he's in a bit of a similar situation to what McKinney was in at Schalke where he needed a move to just take his game to the next level. Yeah. And that move to Juventus was absolutely it for him. It was <laughs> everything he could have dreamed of. And I think that's what yeah, it was Tyler Adams. It was minutes. That's, that's what every player, mm-hmm. every young American needs when they move to a big club is minutes. And he got it. He got minutes and, you know, he's playing at a higher level with better players. And, you know, maybe maybe it just wasn't necessarily just the right environment at Schalke. I don't know how much changed. I mean, obviously, time went on. Players get young players get better with time. But I think Tyler Adams is just stagnated a bit in his career. I think he's been getting better as he's played for the U.S. men's national team. But at the club level, you know, he was such a promising young player for the rebels a few years ago and then he went to leipzig and you know you don't you don't hear too much about him he's not yeah. getting too many minutes he's not making that much of a splash mm-hmm. i just think he needs to take a bit after mckinney maybe get a move in his career get some more minutes to a spot where he's going to be the first name on the team sheet yeah maybe he replaces someone like calvin phillips at Leeds. yeah i mean i've seen just today i saw something that you know they've agreed personal terms but not like a transfer fee or anything oh uh, Leeds and and Tyler Adams. Uh, Tyler Adams. Oh, I, maybe I was, his agent. I was yeah, I actually, no, I actually saw something Oh, wow, today. That, that would be a good so, move because mm-hmm. they are very high-pressing. Tyler Adams mm-hmm. has an extremely good work rate. I think that's a fantastic move, actually. Aside from yeah. U.S. Men's National Team stuff, I think it's a great move. Jesse Marsh trying to build his own, you know, yeah. U.S. Men's National US Team Men's there. National, get all of them in there. Yeah. Start for 90 <laughs> minutes? Like, I don't give a shit. Um, we got but, the U.S. Men's National Team playing the Prem every week. You know, this is perfect. <laughs> we go to the 2026 World Cup. We're gonna we're gonna take names. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but for the for two uh, center mids, Adams and McKinney. Yeah, I no mean, you could that. Uh, some other names, maybe 60th minute subs, maybe some potential injury. I mean, McKinney's not been perfect with injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kellen Acosta, mm-hmm. uh, Eunice Musa. Musa, yeah, that was yeah. one of the young names that's been coming up recently. But uh, I think that's somebody that, again, you never know what happens in the World Cup. I think if we decide to go with like a flat like four three three and don't go with the center attacking mid again, yeah. we're we'll get into Gio Reyna in yeah. the very next position. But again, Gio Reyna has been one of the most injury prone players on this team. Yeah. If Gio Reyna is not in there, I think Yunus Musa is probably the, the next man up, or maybe not the cam, but maybe we just shift positions a little bit. But he's been good in yeah. qualifiers, so um, definitely worth a shout. And with that, we'll move up to Cam. Uh-huh. And here, it's between two for me. Obviously, G. Arena is good at Cam, but he didn't really play Cam for uh, – doesn't really play Cam for Dortmund. He well, plays usually, more of the wing. Yeah. Uh, I think Brendan Aronson is the guy at here. At Cam. At Cam. He he is a Cam. He, he, was, he played Cam at uh, the Union, played Cam at Salzburg. I believe he's going to Leipzig. Now, no, no, Leeds. Leeds, Leeds, of course. He Salzburg, then Leeds. I is he the Rafinha replacement? I, I I feel like he was more an attacking mid. Uh, I've always well, considered he couldn't him an be, attacking mid. I don't think he was necessarily the Rafinha replacement because Rafinha hadn't gone. I mean, he still hasn't technically left Rafinha, but uh, <laughs> his his heart is elsewhere. I can't yeah. imagine he doesn't leave at this point. Um. I think it's just a matter of where rather yes. than if. Uh, I I would see, if I was the manager, I would put Aronson at Cam. I think Reyna in the midfield might get roughed up a bit. I think if you put him out on the wing, he's going to have a little more space and time. It's very good 1v1. Similar to the reason I wouldn't put Pulisic at Cam, just because I feel like he'd be better and more useful on the wing. And if you have those, if you're, you're arguably your two best players are playing the wing, you can't um force the ball to one side of the field 
and kind of like cut off Pulisic's side and mm. throw it over to like Tim Weah, who would be maybe on the wing. So having that kind of multi-dimensional attack is important, especially when you're trying to play counter-attacking soccer. So I think it should be Aronson at Cam. I think you think otherwise. I do think otherwise. I think Reyna is a more technically gifted player. <clears throat> I think he's a bit more creative. Um, he does play at Cam a little bit for Dortmund. I think it's a somewhat even I believe split. Royce is more of their Cam. Yeah, but I mean, stage. Royce is just as injury prone as uh, Gio Reyna. But no, I do think... Gio Reyna is just a really, really good player on the ball. He's good in tight spaces. He can get by players. And I think Aronson, he also, again, he's good at taking on players. I think he's a bit quicker than, than Reyna, so I think he may be better suited to the wings. I also think just the way the U.S. men's national team plays, the wingers are higher up the field than the cam. And I think, you know, you want, you know, there's no doubt that Aronson's more of a scorer than Reyna, uh-huh. or has more of that, you know, instinct. And I think, you know, you want Aronson in more of an attacking position than Reyna. Okay. So, in my opinion, I think Aronson goes out wide and Reyna at Cam. You also need to think about, considering that US, the U.S. men's national team in this World Cup, England, Wales, Iran. How many games are they going to be dominating possession? Probably one, Iran. I, uh, maybe mm-hmm. it's 50-50 against Wales. So you're looking at a cam that also has a higher defensive work rate. And I think that might be Aronson. That's also a reason I might want to put Aronson in a cam. Just because you, would want, you wouldn't want Reyna kind of aggressively pressing over Aronson. In, if you're trying to chase around Declan Rice or Calvin Phillips in the midfield. That's what mm-hmm. I would say. Obviously, there's not too much of a difference. Aronson is not necessarily built to defend either. But I think when a push comes to shove, you might want Aronson there defensively. Maybe you play Aronson on the wing against Iran and in the middle against England. I think they, they're interchangeable, definitely. Uh, we can flip-flop either way. I think they both deserve to be in here. Whether, yeah, and my best 11, both of them are in there. So I think right now we can the combine these is... two right now. Talk about the cam, talk about the right wing. Uh-huh. Are you... Holding firm? I'm still holding firm at Reyna okay. just because I do understand the argument with um the defensive work yeah. rate at Cam. But I think there's just too big of a difference in terms of uh creativity in the middle of the field and uh-huh. just being able to work in tighter spaces. I think there's a bigger gap and I think it's more important that our center attacking mid has that quality. And sure. I think there's just a bigger gap between Reyna and Aronson mm. in that regard than in terms of the defensive work rate. Because I think it's Aronson more, like Aronson has a better defensive work rate, but mm. not by enough where it trumps the difference between them yeah. and the middle. Okay, so we'll go Reyna Cam. You win. Reyna Cam, yeah. <laughs> uh, Aronson a right wing. To left wing, uh, it's going to be Pulisic. It's obviously Pulisic. It's, uh, <laughs> assuming he's healthy. Uh-huh. It's going to be Pulisic. If he's not healthy, I don't watch the World Cup, I guess. <laughs> um, but God forbid, maybe, I don't know. I, literally, it's been him. I think Delatore, I like. I, think, I mean, you, you've got guys God like. God forbid. Um, well, who's the guy that I fucking hate from California? Paul Ariola. Oh, hate that yeah. dude. Uh, but... I think he's been better recently, but still not starting 11. Literally. Jordan Morris has also played in the wing for this team. He's not someone I'm convinced No. Uh, it's, hope, barring any injury, it's going to be Pulisic. Yeah. Again, you wouldn't think it, but maybe not to get into a spot, maybe not using these three months to get into a spot in the starting 11 because he has it regardless of what he does over the next three months, but he just to gain confidence in yourself, he, mm-hmm. I think, uh, almost the success of the U.S. men's national team hinges on whether he can find yeah. a little bit of confidence over the next three months, uh, just before November. So mm-hmm. if he, you know, hopefully Reina, uh, Rafinha stays out of Chelsea, 
so there's not an overclogging of wingers there. I have to disagree there because obviously, if Rafinha comes to Chelsea, that's more competition for Pulisic. But that might but force I think Pulis- Pulisic out. I think Pulisic may already have you know half a foot out the door. I haven't heard too much. I hope he does because I I don't like. Chelsea I I've, I've, I've heard nothing. Anyway. <laughs> I've heard nothing concrete. But you know, just I've just heard rumors. You yeah. know. Like, again, I think I may have mentioned this on the last podcast or just to you privately yeah. how, you know, I'm not someone who believes too much in, like, reading into uh-huh. things. But, you know, he did take his, like, Chelsea stuff out of his bio and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. The, the <laughs> Kyler Murray treatment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That, that means he switched no, it but, all to his college pictures. Yeah. But a move away just seems, for me, it seems right for him. Because when he has been featuring for Chelsea... I feel like he has genuinely been playing well. And then and he if, gets injured, and, and then, then he gets injured, come back and the then, same. you know, he has to get himself ahead of, you know, the other wingers at yes. the club. I mean, it's... He just needs to be somewhere, just like all of these, you know, promising young U.S. men's national team players. He needs to be somewhere where he's the first name on the team sheet. And there are plenty of high-quality clubs yes. where he will be that. And yeah. it's just not Chelsea. Yeah, I agree. I, if he was a center back, he'd be first name on the team sheet for Chelsea because Chelsea gave all their center backs to El <laughs> exactly. Clasico. But, exactly. you know, it's just it just happens to be that they have a lot of depth in that position. Yeah. Uh, so we're rooting for him, but I hope he gets a move out of there. I don't even care if it's in the Premier League or not. I, I He just needs to go somewhere. If he went play. to Chelsea, the only place worse could be Tottenham. Yes. And I don't think Tottenham are no. in they looking got, for They already wingers. got their shitty winger. Although I'm terrified that Tottenham are going to get McKinney because of Conte. That scares the shit that's out another, of me. That's another but. <laughs> conversation. All right. So we locked in Pulisic at left wing. Now, I believe this is the position that really hinges the entire success of the national team in November. The striker position. This position has saved the U.S. men's national team for years. And this is one of the few World Cup years that we'll be going to in the last 25 years where we won't have that nine. It's been Altidore. It's been Dempsey. It's been Donovan. Now it's a question mark. And that question mark is filled by guys that I really don't have confidence in. No, we have not. What has been the longest stint of a striker starting like consistently? For I don't know. I, I, I feel like everyone that plays well is like, mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to be the one. Matthew yeah. Hoppy, I f- that, he scored a hat-trick for Schalke yeah. in the Bundesliga. Three, four goals, maybe? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did he score yeah. four goals? No, I think it was just three. three. And I was like, this is the one. This is yeah. the guy. <laughs> and then I haven't heard his name since. Mm-hmm. And then Ricardo Pepe, Gold Cup, scores like four or five goals in the Gold Cup, leads them to the championship. Gets his move to Wolfsburg. Augsburg. Drop, uh, Augsburg? Pepe? Yeah. Augsburg. It's Augsburg? Okay. Drops off the face of the earth. I mean, Josh Sargent, you know. He's Schalke. been hovering around for a while now, but never, you know. I, I crack a smile whenever I see him score in the Premier League and I get the notification that says Josh Sargent Norwich goal. I, I, I crack a smile, but, like, it's rare. Yeah. You're not smiling too yes, much. Yes, I'm not smiling too much. It's a byproduct of the team as well, but... Yeah. There's, who is it? I, I literally, I think it's even split between Sargent and Pepe. And I think Daryl Diga can throw his name in there. Matthew Hoppy, maybe not Matthew Hoppy. He just hasn't, unless no. he has a good three months. Again, the three months is huge for some yeah. of these guys. This, again, this is a, it's a free-for-all. Yes. That's why I have written it. it this is an absolute yeah. free-for-all. I think there's really no one who's proven themselves as even a front runner, let yes. alone like a standalone, like, yeah, it, it's honestly ridiculous. I mean, the name I threw in here at the end is someone whose name I heard a couple days ago at soccer. Practice. Haji, right? <laughs> I haven't heard his name. I haven't heard his name, but it's just someone. Yeah, I looked on Ferreira, the, on the, sure uh, not Hayes Ferrer. I've, I've seen him. He's, uh, even Tim Weah is in this striker decision. Tim Weah, I think, cause here's, I had it ran down, um, at the right wing position because, Brendan Addison and Tim Way have both played off that right wing. Huh. And I think, arguably, if one goes on the right, you could play the other as the nine. I think, I think Way definitely, there's no doubt that Way gets on the plane. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. He should be. Um, Another, I think, one to look out for, though, in my opinion, although I'm not sure I put him as the starting one right now in this 11, yeah. is Jordan Peacock. Okay. He had a very good season at, um, I believe, Young Boys. and Yes, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he sc- I think he believed... I believe he scored like 20 plus goals there last season. Wow. And he just got moved to Union Berlin, a team that may be small by name, but has done pretty well Put in the last couple of seasons. Very nice performances. I yeah. believe they're Europa League or Conference League last year. Yeah, something like that. Or maybe the year before. But nonetheless, they're a team that consistently does well in the Bundesliga. And I think he will be the starting striker there. And again, it's just a matter of who is best over these next three months, in my opinion. Yeah. And if someone can get off to a hot start, they can secure the starting uh, Josh role. Josh Sargent is, is now in the championship. If Pookie picks up an injury, you know, he's no, he's no spring chicken. He And Sargent goes out there and scores four goals, six goals in August, maybe – I don't know. I feel like six is probably if he was a starting striker for Norwich. I feel like he could back six. Yeah. If he provides consistent, I mean, no, it's just through a championship every season. (laughs) If he provides consistent scoring for Norwich, I think the spot is his. And I don't know the ages of a lot of these guys. I can't see DK taking the spot. I I know Zardes is probably the oldest on this list. Yeah, but nothing. Hoppy's very young. Pepe's very young. Sergeant, but twenty four maybe. Yeah. Uh. If I was picking a striker right now, and I was the manager, I think it's Ricardo Pepe for me. I really don't like Josh Sargent as a player. I never did. I I, I, I like to see him score. I, I just never liked him as a player. I thought he wasn't as active um, as a striker in the box. Kind of the opposite of what Josie Altador was. Yeah. Altador was active. Obviously, he was huge, and you couldn't contain him. If you got the ball in there in the right spot, he would just bang it in. But he, he always found the right spots. He had he was a much smarter player, much more higher attacking intelligence. I don't think Sargent is that player. I think Pepe just is more skillful, and that's why I'm going to go with Pepe. But I'm going to defer to you. I like this pick. I agree with Pepe. Again, it's hard to pick one because yeah. none of them have really been Stand stand-out. Out. Yeah. However... For a few months this year, Ricardo Pepe has been standout. And if we're just going based off of who's been most recently the standout, it's been Ricardo Pepe. Yes, yes. He's been the most recent player to have, you know, a good stint of form for the national team. Since since Ricardo Pepe has fallen out of form and out of favor for the national team, no one's really stepped up and taken that place and mm-hmm. started, you know, multiple games in a row really yeah so as ricardo pepe has been the last player to have a good you know run of form in the team i'd go with him i also do really like him as a player yeah he's proven himself in mls and i think he's you know the best of the lot right now but again it's just so up for grabs so that concludes our 11 starting from the bottom zach stefan anthony robinson tim ream Walker Zimmerman, then Sergio Desta right back, two center mids, uh, McKinney and Adams. The cam, we went with Reyna. Right wing, we went with Aronson. Left wing was Pulisic and striker Ricardo Pepe. I think that team, again, my criticism of the U.S. men's national team has always been... Berhalter. Uh, well, Berhalter <laughs> combined with the fact that they just look disjointed. Mm-hmm. Recently, a lot of these players have come up under different systems They've been kind of like touted throughout their uh, youth as the next big thing. Pulisic, Reyna, McKinney. And it's just tough. When you look at the Spain team, all those players came up from like four academies. Like they all and their style of play just meshes so well. Yeah. It's going to be tough to find a way to gel all of these young stars there's no soccer identity for the U.S. Yes, yet. There isn't. It's athleticism, and that's uh-huh. really not an identity. That's just physical. Mm-hmm. And uh, Germany, England to some extent, Spain, Italy—they all have this identity, and they just gel. So they can all come from their club team straight into the national team, and then gel. I just haven't seen that at all from the U.S. 
And I don't think Burhalter's the guy to do it. We didn't talk about Burhalter yet, but we could throw in a couple minutes about him. Mm-hmm. I don't like him. If I had to put in a prediction about the World Cup, I think the last game of the World Cup is the last game that Burhalter plays. I think, we're, in all honesty, we're going to underperform just because you, these young guys are just going to get kind of bright lighted, if, if for lack of a better term. It, you're going up against England, who, let's be honest, they're going to get killed. <laughs> they're just not nearly as skilled as this team. Is it a rivalry game? Could there be some crazy shit that happens? Sure. But you got guys in the Wales team that have played in the Euros. Tough dudes, too. Their physicality isn't going to match very well against Wales or England. Maybe the best case scenario, they take three points from Iran, take a point off Wales, and they advance on four like they have in years past. But I think that this team is going to flounder mightily in Qatar. And I think it's going to be a lot because of Burhalter. I think Burhalter is a stopgap. I don't dislike him, but I don't like him. He's not the future of this team. He's not going to take them to the next level. Mm-hmm. I mean, if let's say the next level is like, you know, the quarterfinals past like the round of 16. I don't think he'll take us there. I think by then, you know, we'll have a change in management. But I think, I don't mind him for right now. I think that for right now, I mean, he's won the Gold Cup. He's won the Nations League. All CONCACAF. Yeah. Tournaments. It's all CONCACAF. But you can only win what yeah, you're exactly. playing. Yeah, I, I agree. But it, it, it's just yeah, some things to... have been Some things have been questionable in this U.S. This US men's national team. But... You know, we're not we're not a perfect soccer nation. Things aren't going to go perfectly. And sometimes, you know, it's going to be the manager's fault. And sometimes it won't be. I don't dislike him. I trust him to do. I trust him to meet expectations. And I trust him to get this team out of the group. I don't have any distinct expectations for what this team will do. Because on paper, they're without a doubt talented enough to get out of this group they're more talented than iran they're more talented than the whales i have no doubt about I, and that. I agree with that it's just a question of experience and like you said you know does the occasion become too much can we keep our cool mm-hmm. and i just don't know i really can't tell you if we're gonna do that <sighs> well we will see as we round out the u.s men's national team section we'll head into our closing segment right it's a segment that is about as patriotic as they come. Yes. It's an irrelevant 11s, and it's a presidential 11s. We have made full 11s and managers with 42 presidents? Or three? Six. Damn. <laughs> you were all five in. Out of the 46 presidents, 11 aside, you want to start or do you want me to start? You can start. I think your 11 is a little more statistically backed than mine historically historically backed based so i'm gonna start and we'll finish with yours if you're studying for ap exams in may you may want to take notes on mine yes (laughs) clip out this segment yeah (laughs) so in goal we'll start with goal finish with manager all right in goal it's always been abraham lincoln the tallest president statistically him uh-huh. and LBJ are both 6'4". I think he took it by fractions. Uh, that's about it for this. <laughs> physicality. I didn't go with physicality for too much of these guys, but for Abraham Lincoln specifically, it's an obvious choice. it was an obvious choice. He just covers a lot of the goal. He'll be good for penalties. Uh-huh. The, key, the Thibaut Courtois. Plus the top club. hat as well. Yes. Just, yeah. Blocks a lot of the goal. You'd be surprised. And inside the top hat, you can keep all the, uh, oh, the yeah, penalty the, notes. Yeah, the notes. <laughs> so you can just take that down. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's going right. <laughs> left back. Should I go left back or center backs? We'll, go straight, we'll do center backs and then we'll go to the wing backs. All First right. center back, Andrew Jackson. Mm-hmm. 6'1". Again, that's about it. <laughs> I, I have good explanations for the rest, but that one specifically I don't. Right, he's fine. just one of the taller ones. All right. Other center, I didn't know he was tall. <laughs> he's 6'1". Other center back, President Gerald R. Ford. Six foot. Interesting. Six foot, not mm-hmm. short, on the taller end. Uh, but he's a defensive president. He ended the Vietnam War. Hi again. 
it's post-production Brayden, and whenever post-production Brayden shows up, you know that podcast Brayden said something stupid or historically inaccurate, and I did. I said that Gerald R. Ford was the one who pulled the troops out of Vietnam. It was not. It was President Nixon. He was the one who signed the Paris Accords and officially ended U.S. involvement in Vietnam. I'm not sure why I thought it was Gerald R. Ford, but I did, and that invalidates my picket center back, so just ignore this one. Um, History was never my best subject, let's just say that. Let's get back to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I looked it up, and he was the one that and that pulled the troops out of Vietnam, I'm pretty sure. I thought that was Nixon, but you looked it up. He was <laughs> in there somewhere. For the sake of this, we're going to pretend like he ended the Vietnam War. Okay. He was defensive. <laughs> he, won, he pulled the troops back. That's why I'm putting him in the center back. Combination with the fact that he's on the taller end. Mm-hmm. He, there you go. Center back, Gerald R. Ford and Andrew Jackson. Left back, Jimmy Carter. Defensive in the... F- way that he signed some peace treaties he boycotted the olympics in moscow so a little more on the defensive and one be a little more conservative not politically but defensively Mm -hmm. uh not quite as conservative as or as tall as some of the center backs that's why i moved him to left back but in the defensive realm i put him at left back yeah you consider political parties a bit more than i did i didn't think about uh conservatives liberals too much oh i you know (laughs) I know, it didn't makes really sense. know if like conservative would be more defensive and liberal would be more huh. offensive. Well, conservative like... just breaks at football. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, right back, John Adams. Mm-hmm. He was the red coat defensive, the defense attorney, defensive, defense attorney in the Boston Tea Party, I believe. Mm-hmm. Maybe not for the Boston Tea Party, but he was originally a British uh, defense attorney before he took sides with the American cause. Uh-huh. So, again, right back. A little more... He's also very attacking to some extent. He likes to rile up, I believe. Mm. He he was part of the revolution. If I may throw in some historical knowledge, Please. he ran a lot of attack campaigns against Thomas Jefferson there during go. their So he's election, more of the Trent Alexander-Arnold so. attacking <laughs> wingback. But he's also defensive because he was a defense attorney. Center mids. Starting with the first one, President Barack Obama. I went with athleticism here. Uh-huh. He had a he put in a basketball court at the White House, <laughs> known basketball player. If all the presidents ran four Ks or five Ks, I think he would have one of the better times. He's kind of my Ingolo Conte, Tyler Adams in this team. Just right. high work rate because he's just very athletic, and I'm sure that he's just the sportier of the presidents. Mm-hmm. So I put him in center mid. Other center mid, Ulysses S. Grant. He was an Army general. Yes. Pro comp Roy Keane. <laughs> he's also my captain all right just leader of men mm-hmm. that's why it makes sense that you know army general yes captain he defensive minded too you know general could be attacking minded as well as an army general but uh again i kind of just immediately thought roy Keane with this pick that's why i put him in center mid cam fdr fdr creative mm-hmm. the with the uh the new deal world war ii and D-Day, which is mm. his offensive. That's why I put him at Cam. Yeah. Because D-Day was just a very offensive move. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of put him mm. as an attacking Cam because he was just offensive with that yeah. move, you know? That was my reasoning for that. Okay. <laughs> Historically based. That was a good pick. Mm. Left wing. Woodrow Wilson. World War I. Uh-huh. Attacking with World War I. U-boats happened. Took fire at that. Very offensive. Again wartime president not in america needed to go overseas and be more attacking mm-hmm. that's why i went with winter wilson kind of more forward in the squad yeah similarly george w bush with afghanistan he's my right wing he mm-hmm. was the 9-11 president he was the one who called out osama bin laden sent the troops to afghanistan very very offensive yeah. he's a direct player direct you know, goes player. straight you know to the heart of the defense that is for sure <laughs> And a striker, President John F. Kennedy, Bay of Pigs. Just very, very attacking. Mm-hmm. One of the most attacking moves in presidential history was the Bay of Pigs. Straight into Cuba, I believe. Cuba? Yeah. Yeah. It was just a very attacking move for a president. Didn't work out for him. Didn't but... work out. Again, sometimes it doesn't work out. Yeah. Sometimes you shoot from 35 yards and it doesn't go in. It doesn't go in every time. 
John F. Kennedy attacking president. Again, not too much to delve into with these attacking players. I just uh-huh. wanted to have that kind of historical basing of like, they made some attacking moves as president. Yeah. And for my manager, this one was a no-doubter. George Washington? Possibly <laughs> the greatest leader of humans in the history of the world. President George Washington. He led the United States, not then the United States, back from a 13-colony deficit. (laughs) Can you believe the stones on this man? Everything that comes out of his mouth is gospel. If you are not sitting and just soaking when he is talking in the locker room, you are mistaken. Again, maybe the greatest leader of men in the history of the world. Over Gandhi. Just (laughs) crazy. I don't even know how you inspire a group of, like, untrained soldiers to beat one of the greatest armies in the Mm -hmm. world ever in the British Army. That's George Washington. Real Lester 2016 story right there. He's Claudio Ranieri. He's Claudio Ranieri. That's my 11. Again... Some historical backing, some athletic backing, physical backing, but I feel like yours is going to have a little more substance. Okay. Well, I'll start off where you left off. I'll go, I'll start with the manager and then I'll go goalkeeper up because I did not go with George Washington, even though, you know, that may be a popular pick. I went with FDR as manager and... This is a man that you can rely on to turn your club around in a crisis. He, over, he took over the U.S. when they were in their worst crisis, the Great Depression. Maybe and, the Jose Mourinho of, uh, yeah. of uh, presidents. Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could see that comparison. Uh, obviously took the U.S. out of the Great Depression, you know, with the New Deal. He revolutionized the entire federal government, introduced a lot of things that we still use today. Like, uh, social security, stuff like that. You know, maybe a bit like, uh, I think the comparison I had here was Sir Alex Ferguson because he took a great nation. The U.S. was a great nation, but, you know, they were in a down period, just like United was. When Ferguson took over United, they were still a historic club, but they were in a down period. And obviously, he went on to win 13 Premier League titles, Champions Leagues, all that. He took a great club and he made them great again. That's what FDR did. With the United States. He's cool under pressure. A tactical mastermind. He helped win World War II. He's a surefire pick, in my opinion, for the manager position. And obviously, in terms of his longest-serving president ever, again, that Sir Alex Ferguson comparison. Yeah. You know, the tenure there. I like him. I like that pick. After the explanation, I like that pick a lot. And goal. Abe Lincoln. <laughs> Again, it's I'm seeing a lot of explanation there. there. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe there's some historical backing, but honestly, you got Obviously, you know, he's the tallest president ever. We got into that. Mm-hmm. You know, we already delved into that. He's a leader. You know, when he he commands the respect of his defense and when he shouts out orders, they listen. Yes. You know, he has a great way with words to obviously Gettysburg address. Yes. You know. Um, Communication is yes. big. Communication skills, fantastic. I mean, he saved the union. He saved the union from dissolution. I think he can save some Grant Jocka long shots. I think he can connect some center backs. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect transition into my center back, Ulysses S. Grant. Okay. Because he has the the chemistry, because Ulysses S. Grant was his general during During the the Civil War. I think, you know, goalkeeper, center back, chemistry, very important. Yeah. And as a general, you know, he's able to defeat one of the best generals of the time, Ulysses S. Grant, and that was Robert E. Lee of the Confederacy. So he's a guy you can feel comfortable putting on, you know, the opposition's best player. You You got Lionel Messi, you got Cristiano Ronaldo coming at him, you know, he knows how to stop them. So he's my left center back. And at right center back, I've gone with Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. And he's my captain. He was a tight snub for my team but i'll let you continue so i think first of all just he's got the outward appearance of just a yeah. center back he's the he's the name on the back of my shirt for this team yeah I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> he was an american hero as a lieutenant in the spanish-american war so he's aggressive but you know a smart decision maker he's not gonna go into rash challenges you know he doesn't get too many red cards mm-hmm. so you know he's reliable back there uh he's also extremely intimidating for, for opponents and this is where it gets very historically you know 
in based. depth. Yeah. Uh, because he had a thing called big stick diplomacy mm-hmm. where he basically just be intimidating. Yeah. Like he uh made the Roosevelt colliery to the Monroe Doctrine, which basically said that Europe was done having, you know, mm-hmm. interfering in like the Western Hemisphere. Basically cut off everyone else from intervening in sure. this side of the world. Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty, you know, baller move. <laughs> so he's my pick at center back. He's also good for club PR as captain because he's a conservationalist, <laughs> always doing work in the environment. You know, it's a like great it. pick yeah. at center back. And then for fullbacks, I've done it before on these irrelevant 11s where I've said that, you know, the fullbacks have to cover a lot of ground. Sure. So for my fullbacks, I've just gone for the two presidents who have had the greatest territorial expansion, covered the most ground. Sure. As president, and that's James K. Polk mm-hmm. because he annexed Texas. Texas sure. is pretty big for those who don't know, <laughs> and he purchased the Oregon Territory, yeah. which is not just Oregon, but you know, pretty much you know Washington, that whole like yeah. section of the country. California, yeah. yeah. And the other is Thomas Jefferson, who was in charge during the Louisiana Purchase. Also, something to talk about an all-time bargain buy, fifteen mil. Fifteen mil. For, You're talking. Tell me, Harry Maguire was eighty million, <laughs> and all of the middle of the United States was fifteen. The Midwest was like a fifth of the price. Really, of puts, Harry Maguire. really puts fucking uh, Pepe into perspective. Yeah. <laughs> Arsenal could learn a thing or two about you know from Thomas the, Jefferson. Yeah, absolute bargain right there. Yeah. And so let's get into my holding midfielders. Left center mid, I have Harry Truman. Again, something I've brought up in these irrelevant 11s is that the holding midfield position is a position that has gone underappreciated. And just recently, you know, people have realized just how important it is. I think that's the case with Harry Truman. A lot of the things he did during his presidency were very controversial. He hired like one of the most popular men in America, which was uh, General Douglas MacArthur during the Korean War. He promoted civil rights. I know <laughs> that was big, <laughs> very controversial at the time in the fifties. <laughs> and so at the time he had very low approval ratings. He actually had the lowest approval ratings of any president at mm-hmm. any time, 22%. Mm-hmm. But just, you know, more recently as people have seen the consequences of the actions and his decision-making, people have realized that almost all of his decisions were the right one in mm-hmm. hindsight. And yeah. people have, an appreciation for him. So I think he's a good fit for sure. this position. And the other center mid is Dwight D. Eisenhower. Mm-hmm. You know, you often hear the term midfield general. And obviously, this guy was one of the most accomplished generals in American history. Yeah. The commander of the Allied forces during the D-Day invasion and during the whole, you know, invasion from the west of Europe. Yeah. You know, defeated the Nazis. He can do something that no American did during the 2014 World Cup, and that's break open the German defense. (laughs) We lost 1-0. Maybe we should take over for Berhalter. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. So he's my pick at center mid. And now into my cam, and it's James Madison. I was (laughs) very tempted to do this, but I'll let you explain. (laughs) So I thought it would be funny to put James Madison at cam for obvious reasons. But he does somewhat fit the part. Okay. Um, he's a he's a creative player who helps progress the team forward because he had a big impact in getting the Constitution ratified. Okay. You know, he wrote uh the Federalist Papers, which helped you know convince people to ratify the Constitution, and he also helped create the Bill of Rights. So he's very creative. I also found out he's the smallest president ever, five foot four. Okay. A little so bit of, uh, he's he's like a tricky player. Yeah. You know, he's like a Messi, Coutinho, like you know. She's a tricky player, low center of gravity, you know, we're just going to be swinging that, you know, thin air, (laughs) trying to catch him. So I think he fits the role well. And at left wing, I have Woodrow Wilson. So, you know, just like you have him Mm -hmm. as a winger, completely different reason. However, he's your winger who's a bit flashy, maybe a bit arrogant, Mm -hmm. because... While he is effective, he thinks he thinks he is a lot better than he actually is because during World War One, the U.S. came in late while you know all of Europe was fighting against the Germans and Austria-Hungary and whatever, and he came in late and he helped them win the war, 
And, you know, yes, he helped, but, you know, he didn't sacrifice nearly as many people as Europe did. And then he tried to, you know, kind of butt in and, like, lead, like, the peace negotiations. So it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, let's say, James Madison's, like, dribbled past, like, five players and sure. then squared it to him and he stuck it in the net. And mm. then he's, like, going and, like, shushing the crowd okay. instead of, like, going over to James Madison, <laughs> and, like, congratulating him for the assist. That's kind of what he's done here. Okay. So he, he's a bit full of himself. But... He's my left wing, and my right wing is Andrew Jackson. Okay. You've talked about, you know, presidents attacking. Yeah. You know, you want to instill fear in your defenders. And if the defenders are Native Americans in this country, <laughs> <laughs> then he's certainly instilling fear. Um, yeah, he was a general in the U.S. Army, and both as a general and as president, he, you know, was just pushing Native Americans further and further off their Controversially. Land. Basically gig-impressing the Native <laughs> Americans. He's the Bobby Firmino of this team. Yeah. Extreme pressing ability there. And at striker, I have William Henry Harrison. Okay. Not a big name, but he is my striker for one reason and one reason only. And that is because we are making a starring 11 of Americans. And so in... As a tribute to this current U.S. team, I'm choosing a striker who had such a short stint (laughs) (laughs) at the top, at being, you know, in form, Uh you know, that it fits the role. So William Henry Harrison is the shortest serving, served the shortest time of any president in history, 30 days, probably the average stint uh, of any any given player (laughs) for the U.S. to start a striker. So, he's my striker for this team, and that rounds out the 11. I like it. It was a good DBQ, actually. I liked <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I might have to send this to uh, your uh, A-Push teacher, see yeah. what she thinks about it. <laughs> I'm sure it went better than the actual DBQ on the AP test. <laughs> well, uh, it was certainly MLA-sided, and I think everyone <laughs> appreciates that. Uh, but that rounds out our July 4th special. Very patriotic. I wish we had some hot dogs and some yeah. beer, but we're both under 21, <laughs> uh, and we didn't feel like making hot dogs. <laughs> With that, we will round out our July 4th special. Happy July 4th, everyone. Enjoy your July 4th. Go see eat that. hamburgers. Go see some fireworks. Go yeah. get bug bites in the grass because you were sitting yeah. to watch the fireworks. As do I all do that great year. stuff. <laughs> Enjoy the 4th, y'all. <laughs>